Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris. Today we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 53. That is at least the chapter I've been given. We're actually going to start a couple of verses back uh, just for context sake. If you are familiar with the book of Isaiah, you know that it is split into three parts. You have the book of the king, which is chapters 1 through 37. You have the book of the servant, which is Isaiah 38 through 55. And then lastly, you have the book of the anointed conqueror, which is chapters 56 through 66. We are in that second book, the book of the servant. Within the book of the servant, you have broken up several songs, I think five total songs of, of the servant. And so we are in the, um, in, in the fourth song of the servant within the book of the servant, if all that makes sense, if you follow that. Um, so in our section, um, to get context and, and, and how the Hebrew is broken up, we're going to start in chapter 52 in verse 13 and then read through the end of the chapter of verse 53. So let's read together. Isaiah chapter 52, 13 through Isaiah 53, 12. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for what which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for this generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of many people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, 
and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Transgressors. Within chapters 52 through 53, we have a delineation of who the servant is, and we have a completion of the work of the servant. So these are two really big chapters in the whole theology of, of who the servant of the Lord is. As for the servant himself, the suffering, the suffering which began to cast its shadow uh, in the previous book or the previous song, which um, the, the specific reference I'm talking about is chapter 49 and verse 4, in which formed the heart of the third song, which is in chapter 50, chapter 15, verse 6 specifically, is now explained. So let me say that again. The suffering which began several chapters back is finally explained in our chapters. And it's explained as the wounding and bruising of the one who bore the sin of others. So we get this idea of who the servant is. And on the basis of this servant's sin-bearing work, Zion is called into a covenant of peace and the world into an everlasting covenant. So this servant of the Lord is, again, bearing the sin of others, being wounded and being bruised, not just for the sake of, um, when I say God's people here, I'm referring to, to, the, to the Jews. What the servant does is bears the sins of many or all, which is going to be... Um, words that are used a lot in chapter 53 and really throughout the rest of Isaiah because that that term becomes a theological term that all many is always in reference to who the work of the Lord and who the work of the servant is directed to and who is benefiting from their work it's always the many or all uh, as in to show that Gentiles are brought into this this covenant so God is also called upon in chapter 51 uh, with, the, with this term, arm of the Lord. And in chapter 53, we, we finally get who the arm of the Lord is. It, it is the servant. Um, so the people, uh, it's the arm of the Lord who accomplishes peace with God, establishes people in righteousness, and summons the whole world to pardon. Uh, so a very significant theological, uh, theologically heavy chapter is um, is the section that we're looking at. If you wanted to break it up, you could really break it up into three sections. Again, I'm starting with chapter 52 and verse 13 and going through the end of chapter 53. But it's really broken up into three sections. Uh, chapter 52, verses 13 through 15. Chapter 53, verses 1 through 9. And chapter 53, verses 10 through 12. So we're going to look at those three sections and uh, and then we'll be done for today. So our, our first section is chapter 52, verses 13 through 15. And why it starts here is because you get this opening phrase, Behold my servant, which was um, clo which is closing out the section that began in chapter 42 and verse 1 that starts with, Behold my servant. So you have this inclusio where you have a um, the same phrase used twice, and it's meant to act as bookends. Two different sections, and so that's why we got we have this new section here uh, at the end of verse fifty-two and end of verse uh, chapter fifty-three. What's really cool about um, this specific verse fifty-two verse thirteen is this this clear, really clear um, imagery of of Christ. 
uh, we, we have three verbs, three exaltation verbs. So let's read verse 13 again. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. That verb high can also be uh, translated as raised. So you have raised, lifted up, and exalted, which is, I mean, kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. You have the resurrection, you have Jesus's ascension, and you have his exaltation to the right hand of God. So three verbs there, messianic, uh, exaltation-type verbs that are, uh, in, looking back from a New Testament perspective, clearly uh, identifiers of, of Christ. Chapters 14 through 15, if you're reading it in the ESV, um, they break up those uh, two verses perfectly. A lot of translations don't get it. The NIV misses it completely. It's trying to translate it in, in better English, but you actually end up missing the nuance of, of what the um, Hebrew poetry was trying to bring out. Uh, so it should be worded as, as the ESV has it. As many were astonished at you. And then you have the the next two lines is kind of explaining that. Why were they astonished? Uh, well, or appalled is another translation of, of that astonished. Well, it's because his appearance was so marred. He was beyond human semblance, and his form is beyond that of the uh, children of mankind. And then verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. And then you get an explanation of that. So um, that's just something to keep in mind there. ESV actually lays out the poetry it actually sets those lines off a little bit as you're reading it to so you can see that they are descriptors of, of the previous lines. Uh, our second section, uh, 53 and verse 1 through verse 9, uh, we'll point out a few things here. In the, in the first verse, uh, it's, a, uh, it's rhetorical questions based off of those last three verses we just read. Um, in a sense, it's due to his disfigurement and his appalling nature. Who would have expected this to be the Messiah? That's what chapter uh, chapter fifty three and verse one starts out with. Who who would have believed this? And, and the answer is no one. Based off of the previous verses, no one would have surmised that this is the coming Messiah. Only through a message or direct revelation would we have known. And that's what that second rhetorical question is trying to bring out. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, no one. Uh, no one, if it hadn't been through direct revelation. If you had just seen Messiah and seen what he went through, you would not have have thought him to be Messiah. Verse 2 is really significant as far as getting this balance of humanity and divinity within Christ. We already have that this servant is the arm of the Lord, so he is a divine figure, but verse 2 brings out much more of his, his earthly status. For instance, it says, He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. I mean, that is imagery of Adam being taken from the dust, if we've ever read one. This is uh, Christ's humanity. Uh, we also see that the, the, the servant will grow up before the Lord, um, Let's read verse 2 again in that, in that second line. He had, um, I'm sorry, the first line. For he grew up before him, that him is referring to the Lord. So this servant, while a divine figure, is separate from the Lord. He will grow up in front of the Lord, while also being the arm of the Lord. So there is this kind of um, 
it's not meant to be contradictory, but it is trying to draw out the, I don't know if duplicitous nature is the right way to phrase it, but but we understand this. This is uh, the humanity and divinity of Christ trying to be explained here in Old Testament language. Um, chat, uh, verse 3 of this chapter is um, explained by verses 4 through 6. And verses 4 through 6 are beautiful poetry on their own. Each verse is bringing out a different aspect of verse 3, but for time's sake, we're going to kind of look at them all together. Uh, verses 3 through 6 really have four points that are being brought out. Point 1 is that the servant was alone in his suffering. We know this as Christians. We understand this type of theology. He bore it all as we all stood aloof. Romans chapter 5 brings that out more completely when it says we were strangers, we were enemies, we were opposed to God, uh, but Christ dies for us anyway. Figuring his, uh, figuring he deserved the death that was brought to him, that's what the Jews of um, that were contemporary to him, uh, even his followers, believed. Um, if, if he's dying there, if he's being crucified this way, God must not actually be with him. This is not who we... Uh, thought he was that that's his disciples thought other Jews just saw him as a um, as we know a a lunatic a liar that sort of thing and another point to this is that the sin wasn't his when we read in verse 3 that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief it's, it's not talking about that Jesus that or that the servant will be some depressed figure uh, who is constantly crying it's talking about that he is taking on our sorrows. He is acquainted with our grief. And because of that, we despised him. We hid our faces from him because surely this isn't who the Messiah is going to be. That's all point one. The second point in these verses would be he acted by means of substitution. That is the chastisement essential to our peace with God. The discipline, the punishment that we had to have in order to have peace with God due to our sin fell on the servant and it was at the price of his wounds that we have healing and this imagery is straight from Leviticus chapter 16 um, the verbs stricken and smitten are used like 30 something times in chapters 14 through 16 of Leviticus so it is big Leviticus type imagery used here point three in these verses is that the servant dealt with every aspect of our need we get that in verse four as he deals with our emotional needs, and then verse 5, as he deals with our spiritual needs. And lastly, the fourth point in these four verses is that the work of the suffering servant fulfills the will of God. Lastly, we're skipping a couple of verses here, but verses 10 through 12, the last part of this chapter, sums up everything. I mean, going back to chapter 51, even through chapter 53, it's summing up a lot of things. And if you want to break it up into, into two main ideas, verse 10 is the meaning and the effects of the servant's death. And then verses 11 through 12 is the Lord's testimony to his servant. So you get a meaning and effects in verse 10, and then you have the Lord speaking directly to the servant, what, what, what the Lord is going to do with the servant because of what's been done. Um, so let's read those ver those verses again very quickly in verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. 
That is, he is the guilt offering. He shall see his offspring. God, God, Yahweh will uh, allow, uh, Yahweh will see the servant's offsprings. Uh, Yahweh will prolong the servant's days. And Yahweh, Yahweh's plans will prosper in the hands of the servant. So it's as if, you know, it's kind of talking about the the free will component of the servant here. It's It was the servant's will to do these things, and the Lord's uh, plans prospered uh, because of the servant's um, actions and decisions to fulfill God's uh, word for him. And then in verses 11 through 12, you have the exaltation, specifically in verse 12. I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death, he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. You have this exaltation based on what the servant has done. Verse 11 also brings out the idea that it's by his knowledge, um, by what he has done, by what he has taught, uh, he has made many to be counted righteous. We are made righteous as Christians because of the work of the servant. Um, and we are meant to emulate that. This is not uh, something that is um, the effects of what the servant has done are definitely out of our reach. We can never accomplish what the servant has done. But that doesn't mean we're not meant to emulate it and we're not meant to take it on as now it's our burden. This is something that we take up. We take up the servant's mantle and give ourselves in this way also. That is, a, um, I think, a proper Christian application to Isaiah chapter 53. I hope this has been a good study. I uh, hope you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine ways in the year 2021. Peace and love.